You're listening to Money and Meaning, Unlikely Allies, Building New Markets for Impact. With your hosts, Lindsay Smalling and Alex Kravitz. Check out our website, socialcapitalmarkets.net. Let's join the conversation. Welcome back to Money and Meaning. I'm your host, Alex Kravitz. On this week's episode, I have the opportunity to sit down with Sunga Jong and John Salzinger of Empowered, an innovative solar light company that was recently named to the Real Leaders 100 list of the 100 most impactful companies in the world. Their products have become a favorite of humanitarian aid organizations around the world, with over 80,000 distributed to Puerto Rico in the aftermath of Hurricane Maria, in a recent partnership with Save the Children to bring an additional 10,000 lights to kids in need in Malawi and Afghanistan. Our conversation touches on how and why their lights have become so popular with aid organizations, Sangha and John's leadership journeys to get to this point, and the joys and challenges of running a social enterprise. Let's jump into the conversation. So Empowered is a solar light manufacturer. Specifically, you make a a beautifully designed inflatable solar light, um, which is used from from everything from backpacking to disaster relief. Um, And it's the primary source of of light for uh, a number of people in in developing countries that that don't have access to to electricity. That's a great overview. Uh, We do make more than um, inflatable solar lights, though. The central tenant of our company is threefold. So we focus on clean technology, primarily solar. We are a consumer products company, so we make product solutions that fit in the palm of your hand. And then design is very important for us. So we build form and functionality into our products. So for instance, the Lucy inflatable solar light that you just mentioned has been designed so that it is collapsible and it's expandable, which helps from everything from light diffusion to ensuring that it's completely waterproof, pressure proof, you can stand on it if you weigh less than 200 pounds, you can throw it, it's puncture proof, and also, very importantly, 60,000 of our lights can fit into a container. So we, when we are distributing to emerging markets, that actually helps us get our lights to the last mile very economically. And then for, let's say, a female entrepreneur, for instance, in sub-Saharan Africa, she can carry a 100 of those on her back to be able to sell them to local communities because they're lightweight and portable. Yeah, Empowered is an acronym for Micro Power Design personal, clean energy and empowering, and really well-designed product that's also beautiful because the value is important for everyone, every human, no matter where they are. Great. Thank you. So, John, you you co-founded Empowered back in, in 2012, and your, your background is in financial services and, and media. Um, so maybe not a, an obvious, intuitive jump to solar light manufacturing. How did you get into this? What, what made you start this company? In terms of background, so media, marketing, sales, small business ownership and running, um, for me, it kind of all uh, gelled, I guess, after understanding that I needed a little more meaning in my life. Um, so obviously, I have to pay rent. Uh, 
lived in Manhattan at the time and now in Brooklyn where the company is, um, but wanted a little more purpose in what is a large portion of our daily activities uh, work. Um, that along with, I'll, I'll continue to say it, a progressive upbringing by two wonderful parents. Mm-hmm. Um, so people in Planet, it was instilled in me to care about that. Um, I think at this point, the public servants are not serving the public. And so we consider ourselves private servants. And I think there's a lot of power in the dollar and choice of consumers and where and how and when we spend that. Um, and choosing good companies with missions as a choice uh, is almost, almost as important as your vote. So Sunga mentioned the, the design and how um, and why it's, you know, the lights are favored by humanitarian organizations around the world because they're, they're very easy. That last mile delivery, which is you know, particularly challenging in areas that were recently hit by natural disasters or areas that don't have access to, to electricity. Um, what, what was that impact evolution over the years? Did you design the light with that goal in mind or was that sort of a, a, a bonus and you've, you've shifted more of the, the focus towards? Sure. I mean, can you talk a little bit about, about the, the product design? Sure, and I'll mention it's culminated in you know, our most recent order to save the children in Mozambique. So yes, uh, the lights are favored, lights and mobile chargers are favored by many organizations. We've worked with over 500. Mm-hmm. Um, when we designed the light, uh, it was an aggregation of technologies, um, as most patents and inventions come about, mm-hmm. an improvement on existing technologies. Um, we have 35 patents globally. And um, what's most important, or what we felt was most important, was you know, LEDs were out there, solar panels were out there. Generally, they're on a rooftop. They weren't portable. You couldn't really take the sun, put it in your pocket. There's a wow factor which provides value to the light, which, as I mentioned earlier, design is really important. Mm-hmm. It's intrinsic to a human valuing that product and using it. And we wanted that to be of, of importance. Um, so it was a combination of seeing what was in the market and what holes to fill. And as Sangha spoke to earlier, um, making something collapsible is almost more important than making it inflatable because of that ability to transport it which is one of the biggest issues that you pointed out in the last mile. Um, But the wow factor cannot be sort of um, set aside. The idea that you can blow life into a full lantern, not just a task light or a flashlight, is very important. The waterproof nature, the durable nature, um, dust can't get into it. Um, The idea that the light itself um, has no moving parts is really important as well. So it's maintenance-free. So we've worked with very large companies that tried out all different sorts of lights, actually solar lights. Uh, Jindal Stainless comes to mind as a big one in India. Um, They're obviously a steel company. Uh, They worked with us to get lights to Odisha. And the reason why their CEO wanted to work with us was because they were maintenance-free. Once you get a light out to someone, you want a battery that lasts for years, ours do, uh, up to 10 years. Um, And so it's not a one-time use object. uh, And you don't have to do anything with it. And our return rate is below half a percent. Sangha, you joined the company two years ago as the, the CEO. What was it about this opportunity that, that led you to join Empowered? That's a great question. So originally I was born in South Korea during a time when it was not the economic powerhouse it is today. 
So my family actually did not have access to electricity or running water in our home. And we actually use kerosene lamps, which is a very dirty form of lighting used by many in emerging markets. So I always wanted to go into the area of environment and development with a particular focus on emerging markets. Um, but as I was finishing up my graduate degree at Cambridge, I recognized that I didn't really have particular skills to bring to the table. And at that time, um, business had not evolved to the state you know, that it is today where we have things like B Corps and benefit corporations and impact investors. There's this whole wonderful world that has developed um, where business has become a force for social good. So at the time, um, you know, again, that didn't exist. And I decided just to go into business, you know, the way that it's always been known sort of traditionally. And I started working at Procter & Gamble, one of the largest consumer products companies. And I spent about two decades in the area of consumer products, um, also having co-founded a, a company with a partner um, in 2005 in the fragrance industry. And then Empowered found me several years ago, and uh, I read about the company, and I was simply astounded that a business could come up with something so innovative to really address real-world issues. And um, I was so compelled by the opportunity to come lead Empowered into our next phase of growth that I left the company that I had helped co-found to come here. So you, you mentioned that you have entrepreneurial experience and, and CPG experience. Um, what are some of the challenges of running a, a social enterprise? How is it different than that past entrepreneurial experience? So interestingly, it's not different in that it is still a business, so you still have to design, develop, produce, sell, market products, but the challenge is that you have to do so while also ensuring that you are making a real impact. So it's actually even harder in some ways um, because you have to layer that into your decision making. So here at the Momentum Summit, for instance, I spoke yesterday about the fact that sometimes we have to turn down opportunities, let's say with retailers who offer us larger volume um, orders at a substantial discount, but we are not able to take those because that would directly work against our business model, which is really based upon the fact that we sell in developed marketplaces at normal retail prices mm -hmm. to be able to then use the profit generated from those sales to tailor our margin structure for emerging markets and localized pricing there. So that's an example, a very real example of how, you know, um, our decision making is driven not only by, you know, everything that a traditional business looks at, but also the impact of our work. On the flip side though, um, we know that consumers are more willing to pay for a product that uh, has an impact and where the company is transparent. And also, you know, again, we have this wonderful world of impact investors who understand uh, the mission of what we're trying to do and who um, build in that allowance for the time that's needed to properly scale a company so that it can be both profitable and impactful. To add to that, yeah, I think please. it's important that we acknowledge, since this is SOCAP, so Sung and I are really grateful to some of the larger, all the angel investors, but some of the larger investors that we have 
um, some of whom are here today, like the Builders Fund, mm -hmm. um, but also Launch Capital and Serious Change, and, and your organization that really brings the community together of impact, entrepreneurs, and investment. We appreciate you very much as well. Thank you. I, I appreciate that. Um, there are a number of really powerful stories of your lights being used in, in various uh, you know, disaster relief and other situations around around the world. Um, I know, you know tens of thousands of lights have been distributed in Puerto Rico um, after Hurricane Maria, where most of the island was without power for, for close to a year. And I know both of you personally visited the island in, in the wake of the storm. Um, how, how do those experiences and those stories shape the the, the direction of the company and the, and the product development? And I guess, first of all, do they and, and how so? Absolutely. So Hurricane Maria uh, was a really pivotal moment for us because uh, we did distribute over 80,000 lights to Puerto Rico. And that is thanks to everyone from our consumers to retail partners, to corporate partners, um, to individual citizens who actually even helped us distribute the lights uh, within communities in Puerto Rico. And we do have some amazing stories about you know, everyday citizens who um, embarked on the process of helping those because unfortunately, even when we were there six months after Hurricane Maria, um, it took a very long time for the infrastructure to be back up and running. And um, just very briefly, one, one quick story from the trip that John and I took was uh, when we went with our partners, uh, both All Hands, All Hearts, as well as Save the Children, to this one community um, up in the mountains. And we met this woman uh, who had lost both her husband and one son and was living in the remnants of her home with her younger son. And um, he couldn't sleep at night because of the, the wreckage that the hurricane had brought into their lives. And they were living on um, just a small plot of their land of what was left of their home, which was basically nothing. Uh, but he had a Lucy light. And the mother literally told us that the Lucy light was his salvation because he charged it outside in the sun every day, brought it indoors and slept with it because it gave him some comfort. And um, it was incredibly moving and incredibly powerful for us to sort of understand what one little light could do. And um, then we were there with our partners and we resolved to help her rebuild her home. And it's just one of many, many, many stories that we um, have had the privilege to share to you know, our consumers and our retailers who help make all of this possible. Um, but after that trip, uh, John and I came back and we started to brainstorm you know, other uh, lighting solutions that we could bring to communities uh, like this. And one of the newest products that we'll be launching this fall was actually inspired from that trip. And it's a product that we call Lucy Core. And basically what it is, is it's a solar light. It's non-inflatable, um, but it has an armature that allows the light to be hung up. It allows the light to be transformed into a task light or sit on a desk. And most importantly, it also has mobile charging 
capabilities for emergencies because our trip to Puerto Rico showed us that it wasn't only lighting that people desperately needed, but also the ability to charge their cell phones so they could communicate. And we're offering this light at an astounding retail price, um, not only for emerging markets, but also for developed markets where people can use these just as a quick emergency, you know, light to have in their, you know, car, in their uh, kitchen, you know, in their attic, basement, etc. I'll just add that just in another sector, uh, another impact of our lights, pun intended, is in capacity building. So we work with an organization, PNG Tribal, in Papua New Guinea, uh, where our lights are delved out um, by this organization in such a way that women, female entrepreneurs, are able to sell them as wares or exist with uh, more safety or uh, allow them to sell their wares for later hours into the night. Many of these women deal with horrible social constructs that have been placed on them, uh, deeming them a sorcerer, things you can't even imagine. Um, so it's a really powerful tool for capacity building, and that's something very important and specific to our model that we care a lot about. I'd love to add that, you know, in addition to natural disasters and those who do not have, you know, consistent access to electricity because of, you know, governments or infrastructure, um, there are many instances in which our, our lights are used um, because people just need light. It's a basic fundamental sort of human need for safety for life. Uh, there's another example very recently of a group that we partnered with, um, Motorrad Angels. So they're a group of um, avid motorcyclists who uh, recently journeyed through Venezuela and Colombia and they brought their lights with them because there are many people who are now facing, you know, a, a tremendous journey of of climbing through, you know, the mountains of Venezuela into Colombia by foot with their families without any access to light. And they were just recently there. And in fact, yesterday they sent us some videos of um, families literally walking uh, from one country to another, carrying our lights. Um, they had our Emerge lights, which also have a red SOS mode. And so you just saw like lines of people carrying our lights on the SOS mode. And you just think, you know, yes, yeah, sometimes we're in that unfortunate situation where there may be political upheavals. You know, the government is not responding. Infrastructure is not there. But um, for us as a business to be able to contribute a solution that can get easily to people who need our product um, is inspiring, even during the toughest days when as a business we have you know the challenges that a business may have because at the end of the day you know that you have actually affected a life and no one can take that away from you. And I think what drives our product getting into the hands of people who need it are people who want it purchasing it um, and so we're very lucky here right we were born in a situation where we don't have to choose between dirty light and darkness uh, dirty forms of light like kerosene and firewood and we have a huge um, love of our Lucy, pun intended again, um, with those in the outdoor industry and adventure industry and the lifestyle industry. We're in Bloomingdale's, but we're obviously also in REI and every other outdoor retailer you can think of. Uh, we're in museum after museum because of the design. Uh, we're in, in some major accounts. We're in consumer electronics and Best Buy. 
Um, many corporations buy our lights as gifts to their employees or for value adds to their vendors. Um, and many of them actually contribute to our Give Lucy program, which then gives us more lights directly. Um, but we can't do this alone. And so um, what's really heartfelt when we go to these situations is to know that there's an entire community, you know, participation of sort of a new movement that we're sort of trying to head out. And we became a B Corp seven years ago. Um, and we're happy that more companies are doing that now. Um, I think I'll add that it's important as a B Corp. Uh, we sort of think of ourselves as a B Corp on steroids because it's not just sort of culture and, and, and us. It's about how we impact the rest of the world. Um, and I think we're doing that with the help of investors, with the help of corporations, with the help of retailers, and most of all, with the help of your everyday consumer who's buying for me, right? They're buying for themselves because they like the light. Maybe it's a candle, a Lucy candle to put by their bedside or have a non-flammable candle in their tent. Maybe it's a color, Lucy color that goes into a pool, right? Um, Paul McCartney has them in his pool. I happen to know that. <laughs> or it's a myth. Either way, it's a cool story. Um, or you need a light to charge your phone. Um, we're coming out with a bike light, right? A solar bike light. All of these sort of functionalities are sort of everyday, good to have, fun to have uses, but also they help the world, they help you, they help the environment and the, plan and the planet and people all at the same time. Um, but we rely on, on people purchasing our products and that's why you know, talking to SOCAP is a, is a good organization for us <laughs> to talk to because we have to be investable. You're, you mentioned that you're B Corp certified, but you're also a, the legal entity is that of a benefit corporation. Can you explain the difference between the two and, and why it was so important to you to be one of the earliest benefit corporations? Yeah, so B Corp, B Labs certifies you. Um, it's a great certification, um, but it's primarily sort of a certification that's used maybe in marketing and not trying to diminish it by marketing. I mean, letting people know that you're doing good and that you're being valued and measured in that sense. A benefit corporation is built into the structure of the company uh, and the bylaws, basically. And so you have to um, do things not just for growth. Uh, you have to do things for impact. And you are measured on that by your shareholders. So there's responsibility on both sides of the coin. So the company should, one would hope, always remain with those core principles. Um, even if there was ever an exit or another company took it over, um, or I wasn't here, or Sunga wasn't here, that is the reason why. You sort of think of that early on, um, that you want sort of to create a structure. And then you hope that other companies emulate what you do and build that responsibility uh, into our model. Uh, we think it's an effective model, and it's really just a problem-solving model, solving problems for the environment and humans. Do you have any advice for, for social entrepreneurs who might be interested in, in starting a company? What are uh, some of the Personally, challenges? for me, I would say be ready to work really hard. <laughs> um, and if you're going to be a for-purpose entrepreneur, you're going to have to figure out a way to put yourself, your relationships, your, your family, almost everything secondary because the amount of work that you have to do to be an entrepreneur at all, um, but to be an entrepreneur that also is going to try to integrate impact into your model is truly altruistic. Uh, in nature. So be ready for that, but you should do it. Uh, there's, it's absolutely necessary and needed in our world today. Um, you know, join uh, all of the other private servants that are yeah. doing this. Please 
um, take on sort of that um, mindset that this isn't a, um, a do-good fun exercise. It's hard work. Um, and I think if you realize that and look at it as a business from day one, um, you'll be more prepared, better prepared for it. I'd add that relationships are critical. So in the social enterprise space, you know, although the, the space has grown quite a bit, um, we're still at a slight disadvantage versus you know, large companies and corporations, um, whereby you know, we're not entirely known by the average consumer in terms of everything that we are trying to accomplish. Um, so relationships are really key because, you know, in our case, we have found that there are many people who, when they learn about our mission, learn about our impact, are really interested in working with us. Even if they are a large entity, let's say they provide software for many large, you know, Fortune 500 companies, or they are a large marketing agency or social media agency, whatever it might be, you know, we typically talk to them about the fact that, you know, they're not only able to do their work, but to help amplify our impact by, you know, also realistically giving us a negotiated price maybe for their service. Um, and, you know, as a result, they're helping to impact lives as well. So I think really focusing on the relationships who can help you, you know, looking around to see who can help you sort of launch yourself off the ground is fantastic. I also just wanted to add very quickly that I recently joined the board of um, an organization, a member organization called SEA, so Social Enterprise Alliance. And they're really dedicated to providing some of the resources for smaller entrepreneurs, whether they are in the form of office hours where you get to spend time with a legal consultant, marketing consultant, etc. They have various regional programs. Uh, they have a summit that happens every two years. So finding organizations like this that can help you with some of the tools and resources that you may need to really understand the marketplace and get yourself launched off the ground is also yeah, the The partnership and relationship uh, opportunity can't be overlooked or understated. So we should name out a couple that really help us a lot. Nice. Um, so we've had, you know, corporate gifting with huge organizations like uh, Salesforce, uh, but we've had folks and corporations, and I say folks because there's human beings in these companies that care about these initiatives, um, realize really strong uh, upticks in adoption or attention based on working with us. Uh, our, our lights are used as a vehicle, as a cause marketing vehicle, whether it's to vendors or other consumers to increase brand awareness and affinity. So Creus Energy has been a big one for us in the past, Direct Energy owned by British Petroleum. Um, many other smaller organizations as well. Citizen Watch um, has placed huge orders with us, not just in the United States, but in Japan, because they've come out with a, a light product, which is the Eco Watch, which is driven by light. But so many organizations. Um, we are partnering uh, on social with Sawyer Water, with Catadyne on Amazon, I mean, you name it. We are partnering with so many incredible brands, Uncommon Goods, you know, we are working with some of the best and brightest and largest corporations, but also some of the ones that care most about doing well and doing good. So you, there's a lot of organizations that, that it sounds like are more inclined to work with you because of the work that you're doing. And you mentioned earlier that in terms of capital, you need to find patient capital who's, who's you know, 
more willing to allow you time to scale? I mean, on the whole, what is what is the, the, the balance? Absolutely. So, you know, I think patient capital also recognizes the return mm-hmm. in this area. Um, but, you know, initially when you are trying to impact lives, I'll give you, you know, a concrete example, right? So we, you know, distribute X percentage of our business into traditional retail at traditional margins. Um, but we always want to make sure that, number one, we um, set aside some of our products to be deployed in any emergency. So those are units that aren't being sold, but we're still expending the cash to hold those to the side. Similarly, for all of our development work through our NGO partners, you know, whereby we're selling these products at reduced margins, we hold a certain amount of our business to the side for that work as well. So if you're expecting a return every year, you know, that's just based upon the, the amount that you can sell, you know, we're purposefully holding back. And the more we scale, the more, you know, the, the overall profitability of the company allows for that small amount to be withheld. But e- even basic things like that, you know, do take time to build and patient capital recognizes you know, the return at the end of the, the life cycle of that. Um, and that's really critical to us being able to maintain the authenticity of our business model and what we do. You know, going back to that example about, you know, if a big retailer comes to us and, you know, they're ready to place an order. If we weren't with patient capital, then we would basically take that order. Um, So that's just a small microcosm to kind of illustrate the fact that, you know, we are a, a for-profit company, we are uh, very much geared towards growth, um, but there is a recognition from our investors that it takes time because we are also aligned with our impact goals. So the investors themselves have impact metrics and care very much about it. Um, And both Sangha and I were talking about it today, how appreciative we are that we are aligned on that front. Um, Patient capital, does still mean it's capital, and there will end up being a return. Um, it just may take a little while. Do you report on those metrics as part of the, the investment? Absolutely. So there are a couple of um, different metrics. Um, you know, every year as part of the B Corp certification, there, there are those metrics. Then um, internally, just because of the type of company we are, we report to our shareholders on the number of lives we've been able to affect. Um, based upon our light distribution, and to date that is 3 million lives that we've been able to affect. That's just in emerging markets. Thank you. Mm -hmm. We also report on the amount of carbon dioxide we've been able to avert from the atmosphere. So to date our metric on that is 500,000 tons of carbon dioxide. Um, And then also we have a couple of other different um, ratings and metrics that we look at. So Along with our investors, we look at our progress against the UN SDG goals, actually. And uh, we've now started aligning on those with our NGO partners as well to make sure that the programs that we are engaging in at a local level further those goals. There's also a GEARS assessment. And I know that our major impact investor, the Builders Fund, reports back to their 
um, LPs on these metrics? And I would say that another metric that we look at, um, so with retailers you have sell-through and turns. Uh, with NGO you also have turns. So for an NGO, a major NGO like International Medical Corps, um, Team Rubicon, um, many others, um, when they reorder from us, that is a metric that we look at. Um, and they're not doing that carelessly. They have every product in the world being offered to them. And so not only do we realize that that's positive, but then we can also garner information from them as to how we can improve on future product iteration. Yeah, and then there are, there are tangential metrics as well, which I imagine are harder to, to measure. But you mentioned kerosene lamps earlier, which are a huge cause of, of lung cancer in, in the developing world. So by you know replacing kerosene lamps as a light source with uh, empowered Lucy lights, you're you know presumably reducing cases of, of lung cancer in the developing world. And, and I'm sure there are many other well, boosting sort of the economy, etc. Exactly, yeah, and, and then people who don't have uh, access to electricity, where they're not able to study after sundown, and, and there are so many of those other. Uh, metrics that, that are a little bit harder to, to directly quantify, but are, are equally as important. Absolutely. Some of our partners, though, have been working to quantify them because they also use these metrics to educate communities on why you know, our solar lights are a better investment mm -hmm. um, as well, well as a better tool for them. So there's one group um, that actually conducts medical mission trips to Kybera and um, for them, they saw a marked uh, reduction in the number of women and children in particular coming to them with burns. Um, the burns primarily being caused by firewood. And instead, you know, they were using uh, firewood to light their homes. And so they were using our lights instead. So many of our, our local NGO partners carefully track the benefit of our lights. Um, also, you know, we do have use cases of um, our local partners, um, you know, economically laying out, you know, this is the cost of kerosene or firewood for one month. And so, you know, that one month worth of kerosene or firewood is used as a deposit against our lights. And then they show that over time, the economic benefit of our light is actually far superior to continuing to rely upon these dirty forms of energy. Uh, on the education front, um, so Kids of Kathmandu is an organization we started working with after the earthquakes in Nepal. Um, but we also work, I keep bringing it back because it's important to understand that you know humans are humans everywhere and have needs. We also work um, in the United States uh, with Follette. Uh, we have a STEM kit, which basically is a deconstructable Lucy which allows you to learn about solar energy. And we think that the U.S. has to lead the next generation. That's really impactful. And so we launched a program um, recently with the Dock Street School in Dumbo, Brooklyn, where there was a class that got to enjoy learning about solar energy. And it, our product is sold in Barnes and Nobles, um, and it comes with a booklet. And we also have a turnkey curriculum, thankfully, with another partner, uh, MSU Denver, put that together for us. Um, so it's been... Uh, it's been really fun to sort of bring humanity together on sort of around light because it's a core need uh, and a capacity builder for everyone, anywhere. So uh, what's next? What's in the pipeline? So lots of great new products in the pipeline. Um, 
we are coming out with a solar bike light, uh, which is the first of its kind in the market. The front and the back come together via magnets to be able to charge with one solar panel. Um, we'll be debuting that at REI amongst other retailers. We have larger, more powerful Lucy's as well. Yeah which can charge even the newest iPhones, as an example, and are above 300 lumens. You'll be able to find those in REI and most outdoor retailers. Um, a number of other lights coming out, uh, and one is even a light and a speaker, and has a circadian rhythm alarm clock. So for more travel retailers like a Brookstone, etc. cetera. Um, so that's an exciting one for us. Um, we're looking at potentially 2020 for a solar induction charger. Uh, and we're in talks with some of the larger cell phone providers in the United States for that. So there's always sort of a wow factor in everything we do. Uh, and we're making sure that it's not only innovative, but useful and necessary um, and clean. We are definitely on a mission to teach people about the power, the value and the fun of solar <laughs> technology. And um, we're actually trying to do that not only with those who may already be early adopters of solar, you know, those who have solar panels on their rooftops, but we're also trying to speak to those who may not have, you know, the same type of access right now to um, solar installers and solar energy. So, you know, we um, are very egalitarian when it comes to um, trying to help people understand the value of solar. So whether it is in you know, rural communities across America. Um, actually, you know, we do very well, um, you know, in natural reservation areas. Um, we have, you know, wide uh, following amongst those who are in the marine industry or those who are in the agricultural industry. You know, there, there are many, many people who, who like our products because they work well, uh, they're highly functional, um, and they are portable and they allow them to do, you know, whatever they're doing off the grid a lot, you know, more efficiently and with fun. So, John, where can, uh, where can people find more about, about your products? Absolutely. Thank you for asking. So, we have a website and it's direct. Uh, www.mpowerd.com. So, M followed by the word power followed by the letter D.com. Thank you both so much for, for taking the time to sit down with me. It's uh, the work that you're doing is, is really inspiring, and, and um, I appreciate taking the opportunity to, to learn more. And congratulations again on, on being named one of the 100 most impactful companies in the world. Well, thank you so much, Alex. It's been really fun today. Yeah, we can't do it without people like you uh, screaming our message from the mountaintop. So, thank you. We're happy to do it. Thank you both. Thanks for listening to this episode of Money and Meaning. We have a couple great interviews coming up the next few weeks, so stay tuned. I had the opportunity to sit down with Mitch Kapoor to discuss the great results from their first seven years of impact investing at Kapoor Capital, in addition to the lessons they've learned along the way. And Lindsay had the opportunity to sit down with the Gates Foundation and MIT to discuss civic engagement. We also have some events coming up in the next couple months that we're really excited about, including uh, two events in Baltimore on June 27th and July 10th focused on regenerative community development, and the inaugural Spectrum event coming up in Atlanta on June 12th and 13th. The speakers are shaping up to be incredible for that event, so if you're in the area, you should definitely try to join us.
Lastly, as always, if you enjoy the show, please rate us on iTunes and share it with a friend. We'll be back in two weeks with a new episode. You've been listening to Money and Meaning, unlikely allies building new markets for impact. With your hosts, Lindsay Smalling and Alex Kravitz. You can subscribe to this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever podcasts are heard. To learn more, check out our website, socialcapitalmarkets.net. You can also follow us on Twitter and Instagram, at SoCapMarkets. Thanks for listening.